The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. You have your Bible. If not, maybe get close to someone that does have a Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter number 5 today. As I mentioned a moment ago, we're in between two new studies that we'll be looking at both in our morning and evening, at least a different time. And so as we were preparing for today... I just asked the Lord to give me a passage of Scripture that we could dive into a little bit this morning and actually get uh, part two this evening. So for the entire day, we're going to be here in Luke chapter number five, and I'm just praying that God will give us a new vision of uh, this marvelous text and what uh, God is seeking actually to do in each and every one of our lives if we're believers You know, when you got saved, God called you to discipleship. He called you to follow Him. Uh, Many of you have seen that expression, what would Jesus do? And we've often asked ourselves that as we've been in different situations in life. And here in the text, we're going to really get the heartbeat of the Savior when it comes to how He works with individual people. And today, I'd like for you to put yourself in the place of Peter as he is going to be called upon by the Lord to utilize his vessel, his little boat, to accomplish a task that Jesus needed to be accomplished. Oftentimes in in Christianity, I guess we have kind of separated those that are, uh, let's say, on the front end as uh, maybe spokespeople, preachers, evangelists for Uh, Christianity, and then you have just the the lay folks. But I want you to understand that we're all called to the same purpose, and that is to glorify God, follow Him, uh, be His disciple, accomplish His task, really, for our life. And so the, the passage this morning is going to be relative to every single one of us if we'll just pay attention and get a hold of what God is wanting to teach us in the message that we're simply calling this morning, Let Jesus in Your Boat. Follow along as I read just a few verses coming out of chapter 4, the last verse, and he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. Chapter 5, verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed unto him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking... He said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught or for a catch. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Lord, as we look at this thought this morning of a surrendered heart, I pray today that each and every one of us would be open to your Holy Spirit and your word, that God, this morning, we would recognize that we are here by a divine appointment, 
that God, you have gathered us together in this place, in this moment. And Lord, we're just asking that you would just take control of our, our, our hearts, our minds, our thoughts in this moment, captivate them, and allow us to receive from your word the nourishment that we need this week to walk as a disciple of our Savior. Help me this morning, Lord, I pray, to say all that you need to be said. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Got to tell you, as we prepared for this day, I I really got a little bit almost too excited about this morning. Uh, I told my wife, she said, what time did you get up? I said, one. (laughs) She said, why were you up at one o'clock? I said, because I was ready for the Sunday morning service. And uh, it took you a few hours to get here, all right? About uh, 10 hours I've been waiting on you. No, I really haven't been here since 1 o'clock. I got here pretty early, but not that early. But really, this text I have preached so many different times. And yet, uh, this morning, I believe God has just really uh, allowed uh, just your pastor to to come to understand uh, a unique relationship between the Lord and Peter. And uh, I'm wanting to Uh, just share that from my heart here this morning. Let's first of all begin with a historical setting for the story of uh, Peter and his boat this morning. Uh, As we come right into the Gospel of Luke, of course we know that Dr. Luke, uh, the Gentile doctor, is the human instrument that God is going to use to give us this marvelous little book. We often go to the Gospel of Luke for the Christmas story in chapter number 2. And then uh, coming out of uh, chapter 3, which is really the baptism of Jesus, as he went there to where John the Baptist was, uh, there by Jordan, he was baptized. And then coming into chapter 4, and really into chapter 5, we have the early ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So for 30 years, he lived as a a son. Uh, Of course, his uh, biological mother is Mary, born of a virgin, And uh, his father, not by birth, just by relationship to his mother, Mary, uh, they raised him in a a little city in Galilee called Nazareth. And here in uh, the the background story we see in chapter number 4, as Jesus is about to begin his ministry, he goes back to his hometown. He goes to church. I wanted to share this with you here from Chapter 4, verse 18, it's just kind of a little something that, you know, God hit me with again, and it's it's a great truth. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, prior to Jesus really beginning his ministry with reading the text from Isaiah chapter number 61, I love verse number 16, simply because Jesus Christ had a custom. And the custom that Jesus Christ had was to go to the synagogue. 
And this time, as he went to the synagogue, they asked him to stand and to read the scripture. And he uh, was handed the scroll from Isaiah, and he begins to read from Isaiah 61. But I just want you to note in verse 16, And it came to pass to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. Is that your custom? I hope it is. You know, sometimes in the day and age we live, we detach ourselves from the practicalities of the Bible. And in a practical sense, the Lord Jesus Christ, if he is leading us and we are following him, the truth is Jesus had a custom, and the custom that Jesus had, I'm going to church. I'm going to go to the synagogue. I'm going to go where God's people gather. I'm going to go and hear the word of God. And let me tell you, that's a great custom for all of us to develop in our life because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, you say, you know, I, I'm, you know, in my Christian life, it just isn't what I really want it to be. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. A development of that faith, a growing of that faith comes when we place ourselves in a position for God to minister to us. Now, I want you to think this through with me just a second. Was Jesus the greatest teacher that ever walked this planet? Did Jesus know more about the Bible than any preacher that ever stood behind a pulpit like this? Absolutely. And yet Jesus saw it was important for him to what? Gather with the people of God. Now, I'm sure that as he gathered, not every uh, message he heard was uh, that which... uh, maybe in his mind being God, knowing everything, uh, was, uh, uh, I I would say, probably for for, for God, uh, listening to man preaching about God's very word, that could have been a tedious task. But Jesus had a custom. Jesus said, I'm going to be in church. Jesus said, I want to go to the synagogue. And he did. And after he read the scripture, he expounded a little bit, and you're going to see by the end of the text that the religious people, the religious rulers in that synagogue in in, in Nazareth had about enough of the words of Jesus. And literally, if you go on in the text, they're wanting to push him off a cliff, uh, uh, literally put him to death. Now, let me tell you something. Preaching is confrontational. Preaching ought not to be something that just is enjoyable. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, love to hear folks going out the door saying, hey, pastor, I really enjoyed that message. It shouldn't be necessarily enjoyable. Uh, it should be truth from the Word of God that I need to hear, whether I want to hear it or don't. That's what preaching is. Preaching is trumpeting the Word of God. Preaching here is speaking forth there through the power of the Holy Spirit, what God has given to us in that wonderful book, the Bible. And so Jesus Christ proclaimed his purpose. He started his ministry, and uh, his welcome to the ministry was, we really don't like you very much, and uh, we want you out of town. Let me just uh, uh, share with you verse 28. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him onto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. They were interested in putting Jesus, I mean, giving him an early exit out of this world. I want you to understand these are the same people that watched him grow up in their city of Nazareth. 
These are the same religious leaders that he sat under in the synagogue as his custom was. And by simply proclaiming the word of truth, he becomes enemy number one. And they want nothing more than to see him killed. I love the way here Jesus deals with it. The Bible just tells us, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. He was untouchable because he was on the mission of the Father. He came to this world to seek and to save those that were lost. He's at the beginning of a three-year ministry of teaching, instructing. But most of all, he is in these three years looking for that nucleus, that foundation of the church, the apostles, these 12 that would be called out to be the foundation of the church that God would use in a wonderful way uh, to see this world impacted for the glory of God. So from now, this uh, exit out of his own city of Nazareth, the Bible informs us now that he is going to uh, the uh, city, verse number 35, and Jesus rebuked him. I'm sorry, um, let me go back to 33. Uh, and in the synagogue there was a man where had a spirit of the unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. Uh, here, Jesus Christ is now going to the city of Capernaum. Uh, I've got, matter of fact, a little picture here of a map. It's going to be on the northern rim there of the Sea of Galilee. This is where the Lake of Gennesareth is. Uh, Capernaum would be right there at the very top as you come around that little uh, horn. And we see that uh, this next slide is actually a picture of uh, the ruins of that community, uh, that place where uh, Peter uh, was living, where the boats were on the seashore. Uh, matter of fact, they built a church over what they perceived to be Peter's house. Of course, uh, how do we know that? I don't think anybody could know that, but it didn't stop uh, a, a church from planting themselves there and saying, that's where Peter lived. But uh, here are some ruins of that synagogue uh, where Jesus Christ would have taught. And we, we, we realize here, in the next slide here, again, a little closer up of that, those ruins, that uh, the reality is that, that Jesus Christ had come to a people that were in darkness, that they would see a great light. And Jesus Christ went to these communities where the common people were, and he desired to minister to them. Now, in Capernaum, we know that Peter lived there because in this text, Peter's wife's mother gets sick. And one of the miracles that Jesus does is he just raises her up from a terrible, terrible fever. And uh, she is totally restored, and she begins serving the party. And uh, Jesus told those in that community, after many had come to receive some healing from God, uh, that uh, Jesus said, listen, I've got to go to the other cities of Galilee as well. And so he preached, according to verse 44 of chapter 4, he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. And then that brings us here to our text in chapter number 5. Again, for this morning's purpose, I just want it to be you and Jesus, or you and your boat and Jesus. Because as I've read through and read through this text, uh, God has uh, just allowed me to, to capture a little thought here that I think can be a real help to all of us. 
uh, as uh, we just study the passage together. Number one, in your notes, if you're jotting down inside the bulletin are some study notes. Let me begin with this. Peter yielded his possessions to Jesus. Number one here this morning, Peter yielded his possessions to Jesus. And it came to pass, verse 1, that as the people pressed unto him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesareth and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Very first thing here that the Lord is probing for as he's looking at a potential apostle. Uh, Peter here being that one that is going to be called out later in this chapter to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a certain test that uh, God is now going to give to Peter, and it's dealing with something that is very ordinary, but oh so important. And that ordinary thing really are the things or the treasure that God gives to us. Peter's a successful businessman. He is a fisherman. Uh, He's made his living here, going out on the the, the Sea of Galilee and bringing in fish and providing for his family. Matter of fact, uh, there was a partnership. The business seemed to grow. It was not just Peter uh, and Andrew, but also some partners, James and John that also had a boat, and they worked together here, collaborated together as partners in this fishing venture. And he had a thing. He had a vessel. He had a boat. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes to him first of all, and he simply says, Peter, can I use your boat? He's requesting. He steps on board. And he simply says, listen, Peter, would you mind just thrusting out just a little bit. Now, I don't know if that's because the crowd was so big. I don't know if Jesus kind of was pressed up against the seashore and had nowhere to go. But the reality is that Peter had something that Jesus needed. And I want you to hear me this morning. Each of us has something that Jesus needs. Now, the the reality is, and, and the next slide is just going to be something I'm going to explain in a second. Yes, the Lord desired to use the boat, but did he have to have Peter's boat? That's the next slide. Did he have to use Peter's boat? You know, he didn't have to. There are ships there, the Bible tells us in the text. He didn't have to use Peter's boat, but he came to Peter, stepped on Peter's boat, and simply said, Peter, could you thrust out just a little bit? Uh, Did Jesus really need Peter's boat? No, if Peter would have said, I can't do that, I'm too busy, can't you see, I'm cleaning my nets, I don't have time for that right now, Uh, the Lord may have gone to the next ship and said, can I have you thrust me out a little bit? I want you to understand the concept of availability. That God is just simply desiring for us to be ready with our treasure or our thing For God to have access to. That God here can accomplish a work. And the joy is, He wants to include us in that work. 
Uh, Did Jesus need Peter's boat? No. Matter of fact, to be honest, Jesus could have done just fine without anybody's boat. Remember the the time when Jesus walked on the water? Uh, Jesus could have just backed up, you know, 20 feet into the lake and he'd been just fine. He didn't need it, but he requested it. He didn't have to have it to accomplish his purpose, but he reached out to Peter and says, Peter, do you want to come along? Do you want to be a part of this? Do you want me here to use you and that little that you're willing to give to accomplish my purpose in this moment? It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? How God is desiring to include us in what he's wanting to do in the world. And if we could leave this auditorium this morning recognizing that God wants to use me, that God would like to rest in my boat, that God here would like to be close to me, that God would like to spend a little time with me, oh, how that will change us to the core when we recognize that Christianity is not a a, a sport where we sit in the stands and we watch everything happen in front of us, but Jesus wants to participate in our lives and reach out and utilize that which we are and what we have for his honor and for his glory. What did Jesus want from Peter? He just wanted Peter to yield his boat. He just wanted Peter here to have a willingness of spirit. He wanted to be entrusted with that most valuable of all things that Peter must have owned. Let me tell you something. Not every fisherman on the Sea of Galilee had a a vessel. Uh, I'm sure there are some that were in a position uh, being not maybe as well off as Peter that had to do their fishing. Uh, the best they could from the shore. Uh, Peter here, being a little bit well off, was able to have a boat, or maybe his father passed down the boat, or whatever it was, but that boat, that vessel, was his livelihood. And he desperately here desired for that boat to be cared for and his nets to be cared for because without them, life would become very, very difficult. So we recognize that The very first thing that Jesus is asking of Peter is, Peter, would you just yield me your possessions? Would you just let me have access to them? Would you just trust me with them? Because there's some greater things that I want to do with your life. I'm going to read for you a verse that God used in my life years ago when I was young and really struggling in this area of trusting God with my things. And uh, I, I was at church, and I, I would go real faithfully, but I really struggled because at that time, being uh, uh, just newly married, you know, things are a little tighter, and uh, you come to church, and you don't mind tipping God, uh, but uh, you don't want to go overboard either, right? And so as a, a young person, I really had to grow into that area of learning how uh, to be an extravagant giver, and it wasn't something that came just automatically, It had to be something that God had to convince me from his word. And then one day God showed me these two verses in Luke chapter number 16, verse 10 and 11. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So Jesus is teaching a story and he's saying, listen, I can tell 
the heart of an individual by testing their faithfulness. And, and as I test their faithfulness, the question is, are, are they faithful to me when they don't have very much? Because if they're faithful to me when they don't have very much, I don't have to worry about when I really start to bless them. They're going to be faithful when I give them a lot. So he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Verse 11, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Mammon is just the word uh, for money. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And I'm thinking as a young Man, wanting to go in the ministry. How's God going to trust me with really important stuff if God can't trust me with that which is least? And God calls mammon least. If God can't trust me with what he gives to me so graciously. The Bible says every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. It's all from God anyways. And so God is the giver. He's the originator of everything we have. You say, oh, pastor, it's been my, my, my schooling and my intellect. No, it's been God's grace. God's the one that allowed you to have the opportunity for that schooling. God's the one that gave you the mind that you have so that you can be productive in your life. But listen, never, never take glory yourself. Always give glory back to the Lord. See, the Lord's first test was Peter's treasure, his things. Did Jesus need Peter's boat? No, but notice this. Peter did need Jesus in his boat. Peter did need Jesus in his boat. And the vehicle to getting Jesus Christ really close to where Peter was is that nerve of our treasure or our things. What a blessing it is when we look at Peter's heart here where he's willing to thrust out a little bit. So often, especially when we're young, our identity is wrapped up in the things that we acquire. You know, when you're 16 years old and you want that first car. <laughs> what, are you, what, 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 what is your identity? Well, it's that vehicle that I get to drive around that nobody else has yet. Or at 18, or uh, at, uh, at 21, you're maybe newly married. Uh, listen, our identity sometimes is in the fact that, well, this is my house, and this is my job, and these are my cars. Jesus simply wanted to know, Peter, where, where on the scale of, of you following me, how highly does that rank? How possessive are you of that vessel? And are you willing, if I need it, to let me use it? And Peter said, Lord, come on board. Number two, not only did Peter yield his possessions, but I want us also to see here that Peter yielded his preoccupations. Now, as I look at the text, I want you to just see that they were doing something. In verse number two, the Bible says, And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. All right, so... The picture is there's two boats. We're going to find later in the text there are four fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. 
The two boats are there by, uh, by the, the, the side here of uh, the sea, and these guys have uh, fished all night, the text tells us. They came home empty. They're, they're now cleaning their nets. You say, what's there to clean when you don't get a fish? Everything but fish, right? Uh, you bring in the net, and you got branches and debris and all kinds of stuff that are in your nets. And so these guys are working at really... Uh, Empty, uh, 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 removing the debris from the nets so that they might be ready to go fishing the next day. Peter was asked in this moment of Jesus coming on board to yield his preoccupations. You see, what the Lord wanted beside just Peter's things is he wanted Peter's time. All right? Uh, if I had... Uh, uh, Micah, come down here. You're going to be Peter for a second. Micah's going to be down here, and he's cleaning your nets. All right, just clean your nets. I'm, I'm uh, uh, the Lord, and uh, I'm requiring your good job. Man, he's just, looks like he's, I don't know what you're doing, all right? But uh, looks good. Yeah, that's good. Picking out, yeah, all that stuff. So Micah's doing that, and, uh, and in order for Micah to thrust out a little bit, what's Micah going to have to do? Oh, yeah, he's going to have to stop what he's doing. He's going to have to put down those nets, right? And he's going to have to now make his way up to what? Mike is going to have to come into the boat. So here, here's Peter. He's in the boat, and now Jesus here is going to be able to really ask of Peter some time that Peter may not have been real excited to give up. Have you ever been like that when it comes to the Lord? There's just things that, I mean, you know God wants you to do, but it's just like, Lord, I just don't have the time for that. I'm a busy person. Have you looked at my calendar? I mean, have you seen my to-do list? It's long. And so here we are, and, and, and what's the Lord wanting to do? The Lord's just saying, listen, Peter, uh, just stay with me because I'm, 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 I'm leading you somewhere. First of all, I just wanted you to know how, how precious this vessel was, and then I wanted to know if you'd be willing to come and just sit by me for a while. See, he's going to thrust out a little, Right? He's going to come in that boat. He's going to thrust out a little. And Peter's a captive audience. Everybody else is on the shore, but there Peter is. He's in the boat with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Micah. All right, so what do we have here? Uh, We have the Lord testing Peter concerning his time. You know, from a human perspective, wouldn't you say that uh, Peter had a right to, to almost say, Lord, I just don't have the time. Uh, what was he doing all night? Help me. Fishing. Has he slept at all? No. Uh, he's worked hard. He's been in that boat all night long. He's frustrated. He's probably hungry. I know he's exhausted. I know he can't wait to get home and crawl in his bed, and I'm sure he was tempted not even to clean the nets. But the guy had some character. And he realized that, boy, if I don't clean those necks first, I know I'm not going to be excited about cleaning them later. So I'm just going to do the hard thing first. Young people, that's a good lesson. Do the hard thing first. Just, just don't, don't, don't leave it for the end. You know, we do all the little stuff, the easy stuff, and I didn't get that big mountain waiting for you. No, they did the difficult thing. By the way, Jesus was looking for people of character to be his disciples. I mean, he found these fishermen... 
busy in life. He found uh, a Matthew, which is Levi, as the tax collector. He wasn't looking for lazy men. He was looking for laborers for the harvest. And, and so now, as he's looking at these different candidates, he's putting uh, Peter to a little bit of a test, and he's testing the treasure or, or his priority on things, and he's testing a little bit uh, the, uh, the preoccupations of his life. Is he willing to pull apart from some of those maybe necessary, important things to spend time with God? Peter's preoccupation was simple. He was a provider for his family. He wanted to take care, be a good steward of the things that God gave to him. And he was just going about the task methodically, diligently, so that he could go home and go to bed. Verse number 3 is very clear, isn't it? And he entered into one of the ships which was Simon's and prayed him. He's requesting that he would thrust out a little You know, Jesus never forces us. He he always asks us. He always brings us to a place of yielding, an opportunity to choose, an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I've got some things that you can have access to. Yes, Lord, I've got some time. I I know I was busy, preoccupied here a little bit with, with this net and cleaning it, but I can take the time to uh, help you thrust out a little bit so that you can teach the Word of God. God was simply looking here at Peter's heart and, and, and trying to see his willingness to be one of those that would follow him. Number three, I'm going to use the word prerogative. He prayed him. He didn't command him. He prayed him here in verse number three. And what he's now wanting, he's just wanting uh, Peter to take the time to push aside from everything else in this life so that he could simply hear Jesus teach the Word of God. Let me tell you something. So many of us, we have the prerogative to do so many things in the world that we live in. We have the right, the liberty to be busy with so many things. And so many Christians have come to the place in their life where they feel like, you know, God really doesn't care if I'm here, if I'm there. Uh, uh, if, uh, uh, when, when, when we go someplace, let me just t- tell you, my, my mom taught me this, and, and it's something that I've taught my kids and hope, hope my kids are t- teaching their kids, uh, that when we're, when we're out of our regular local assembly on a Sunday, we find another assembly that we can go be a part of for that day. Why, why did my mom and dad instill that to me? Because they wanted us to know as young people that vacation is not a vacation from God. Vacation is an opportunity to relax, to spend some time, enjoyable time with family but we don't take a vacation from God. And can I tell you, as a little child, that would have impacted me. How come we're not in church today? You know, when we're at home, we're always in church, but when when we go somewhere else, we don't have to go to church. And uh, so there's a different standard when we're home than when we're away. Maybe it's because the pastor's home, but when we're away, pastor's not there, so we don't have to be in church. You know, as a little child, you just wonder what thoughts might be. I'm glad mom and dad said, we're going to be consistent no matter where we are. We're going to go find God's house someplace wherever we are. 
Why? Because it's our custom. And it's good for me. It's good for my wife or husband. It's good for my children. Honestly, we all have the prerogative to do a lot of things on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. But what did Peter show? Peter showed here simply a desire to hear the word of God. Let me read verse 1 again. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesareth and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. That's what he wanted Peter to do. Peter, stop fidgeting here with your net. Peter, focus. Peter, listen. There's something important that you need to hear. Uh, just just move, remove from your mind here the hunger and the desire for bed and uh, the desire to get all the trash out of your net. Just for a moment, would you focus on the words that I'm about to speak? And Jesus Christ here began teaching the people. And I think, to be honest, I think his main audience was Peter. Jesus is going to have an encounter here that is going to lead to Peter's call to the ministry. And Jesus was doing everything he could to zero in. By the way, this was not a coincidence that Jesus just happened, right, uh, to find Peter there uh, outside his boat uh, with his debts, uh, you know, uh, this was a, a divine appointment by God where the Lord Jesus Christ, being God, always was God, always will be God. Jesus, this divine appointment, brought himself to the very place where Peter had fished all night and taken nothing and now he's cleaning his nets and now Jesus is simply, he's simply focusing in, zeroing in on Peter and saying, Peter, hey, can I have access to your thing? your boat. Hey, Peter, your treasure, can I, can I use it? Can I use it for my glory? Peter, can I, can, I, can I use some of your time? It's going to take some time to help thrust that boat out, and, and it's going to take time away here from your nets, but would you do that? Peter, uh, would you be willing here to lay aside your prerogatives, your rights, and yield your will to me in these moments so that you can just hear the voice of God? Folks, when we gather together, every time God gives us an opportunity to gather together, to me, it's a, it's a slice of heaven. It's an opportunity to be with God's people who I'm going to be able to be with for all eternity. And we're going to sing the songs of glory and praise to our God as we do right here every Sunday morning. We'll be able to worship Him with our love gifts We'll be able to open our hearts and our ears to His Word because we want to be students of the Word. We don't want to just be entertained. We just don't want to be amused. We want to come and hear from God. I am not God. I'm a mouthpiece. I'm I'm just a voice, as, as John the Baptist said. I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. My, My heart is to point you to Jesus Christ. He's the preeminent one. He's the builder of his church. He's the originator of his church. This is not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus Christ. 
And as we gather together, let's never lose focus that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there is he in the midst of them. He's our special honored guest every single time we gather together in his name. And all that we would recognize that when he desires to tenderize our hearts and open them up a little bit so that the word of his truth can penetrate, oh, that we would be attentive, that we would just have a will that would be opened up to his will. Number four this morning, I want us to look at the preconceptions that Peter might have had concerning Jesus. Now, coming out of this message where the Bible says that he sat down and he taught the people in verse number 3, now in verse number 4, I want you to see something. Here the request is not to thrust out a little bit. Now uh, there's a little bit more commitment involved. Verse number 4, Now when he had left speaking... He said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught, for a catch. All right, now let's put ourselves back in Peter's shoes. The preconceptions we have about God and what God wants to do with us when we offer him our things and we offer him our time and we offer him our will. What's God going to ask? What's God going to demand? He doesn't demand. He requests. He says, Peter, it's your boat, it's your vessel. Would you thrust it out a little bit? Oh, yes, Lord, I'll do that. Peter, it's your boat, and I know you used to be out there all night long. Uh, I understand. But uh, would you launch out in the deep and, and cast your nets again? Now, what's going through old Peter's mind? Nets? I just cleaned my nets. I've been fishing all night. Doesn't the Lord understand? And by the way, the last time I checked his credentials, he wasn't a fisherman. He was a carpenter. And what in the world does a carpenter know about fishing? I'm an expert, and and it's not a good day for fishing. It wasn't a good night for fishing. And and if I go out there again, am I going to just waste my time? Who does he think he is? Let me tell you something. Jesus was interested in Peter yielding his preconceptions about what God wanted and what God was going to do. We all have our preconceptions about the will of God, don't we? We all think that if I yield God my thing, God for sure is going to take it away from me, or God is going to do this, or God's going to do that. Uh, I remember my wife telling me as she was growing up, she wanted to go to Bible college, and her folks need the Lord. Uh, her stepfather and mother, they, they, they need the Lord. But uh, mother in particular was afraid that, oh, no, she's going to be living in Africa. I'll never see my grandkids. She's going to, you know, become a Christian, and that means you go to Africa, all right, when you become a Christian. And so she had this fear, you know, because now she's going to church all the time. Next thing you know, she's going to be in Africa. And uh, that's the, 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 the concept maybe that many people have, but uh, we recognize here that Jesus Christ was simply desiring to see if Peter could just trust the Lord when Jesus spoke. Peter knew Jesus was a carpenter. He knew he was a teacher. He knew he was a miracle worker. He saw it happen in his own home. But what would Jesus know about the fishing business? And so from a human perspective, Peter would rightly be able to say, "Uh, it doesn't make sense. But from a spiritual perspective, 
Peter recognized that, boy, this is, this is the Lord, and I am going to simply do what he asked me to do. Notice the text. Launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have uh, toiled, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Master, yes, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Let me just hurry up here so we can finish at least this portion this morning. I just want you to understand here that... uh, The Lord Jesus Christ is desiring to use us and use what we have for His glory. And sometimes it may not make all that much sense logically to us concerning what Jesus is asking us to do. Sometimes we in our own life feel like we are the expert concerning our life and we don't realize that Jesus is more of an expert about us than we are of ourselves. See, Jesus transcends time and space and Jesus knows our future. Uh, Jesus knows the hairs on our head. And for some of us, that tally changes every single week. And yet that's what the Bible declares. He knows. He knows everything about us. And when He's gently leading us to a certain position, He's not doing it to hurt us. He's always doing it to help us. He's always desiring for us to learn to trust Him just a little bit more. Just recognize that although in my mind I can't make sense of it, my preconception here of a carpenter uh, giving direction for fishermen, it doesn't logically make sense. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give the Lord my schedule. I'm going to give the Lord my schedule. Uh, I want to go to bed. I want to eat. I want to finish cleaning my nets. But I'm going to let the Lord have my schedule. And by the way, this area of the the Sea of Galilee uh, to get to what is described here in this text. The deep was a three-mile row if it was a rowboat. So this was not a a, a task that, I mean, you look at and you say, is that really something I'm up to right now? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm truly exhausted. I'm spent. I need rest. I need sleep. Is this something really that I'm wanting to do? And as Peter simply yields his schedule to the Lord, we're going to see here that God's going to do an unbelievably marvelous, marvelous work. He yielded his things. He yielded his time. He yielded his will. He yielded his trust. He began to trust God. Now, I won't say it was a 100% trust because Jesus specifically said, let down your nets, plural. In the text, what does Peter actually do? He lets down a net. All right, he says, listen, I'm I'm not sure about this. All right, I know he wants me to go back out there. I know he wants me to take my nets and throw them out. I'll just, you know, take one net and throw it overboard. And that way, I just have to clean one net instead of cleaning all my nets. Whatever the case may be, he took that, he cast it overboard, and the Bible tells us exactly what happens. Look at verse 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. I don't know what God's doing in your heart this morning. I don't know how God is gently prodding you, little by little. 
trying to get you to trust him just a little bit more. Yield just that area of your life that he puts his finger on and says, listen, can you trust me with that? Can you trust me with this? Would you believe my word? Would you, would you come and spend some time with me? Would you just listen? Would you allow uh, me to have a part in your life? That's what the Lord is looking for. And that's what every disciple of Jesus Christ ought to want to give. Yes, I want to give the Lord the things that He asks to use. Yes, I want to give the Lord my time, my schedule. Uh, I want to give Him my will. I want to trust Him more. Gently, Peter is being confronted with one little request after another. And each and every time, even with his doubts, letting down just a net, he obeys. And God says, well, Peter, let me show you what I'm going to do. Peter was going to go home a defeated husband because he had nothing for the pan, right? He worked all night and has nothing to show, no fruit for the labor, no fish to brag about, you know, that I caught. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, the Lord allows there to be such a bounty that literally the net is beginning to break. Peter yielded two other things, his pride just to fill in the blank and his own purpose. And I'll hit purpose here a little bit tonight, but let me just deal here with humbling himself. In this text, it was a, an act of humility for Peter to let a carpenter lead him out to the deep waters of the Sea of Galilee. Now, I want you to know something. Jesus was in the boat when all this was going on. He followed the voice of his God. And he was willing to go out into the deep where Jesus commissioned he trusted the very word of God, and the very word of God was found to be true. I have been saved for almost four decades now. And can I tell you something? God's word is truth. And when God speaks, God speaks truth. And as God begins to work with you individually as a child of God and desires to bring you into a deeper relationship with him... He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to build you. He's trying to make you into something that you never dreamed you could ever be. But little by little, as the Lord gently comes our way, we have to yield that area one by one to our master. He humbled himself. He humbled himself at the very word of God. Got an illustration here. Let's just close with, when it comes, young people, to trusting the Bible, it, it almost happens weekly, but this next slide I want you to see is a slide of uh, an article that came out just a couple days ago. Can you read the top of it? Study disproves the Bible's suggestion that the ancient Canaanites were wiped out. And uh, it's a DNA evidence that they found here uh, that leads one to believe that, guess what? The Canaanites actually are Lebanese people. Go to the next slide. It goes right into this. It seems they didn't destroy them all. This is the Canaanites. 
Examining the DNA of the region's ancient and modern inhabitants, the scientists found more than 90% of the ancestry of modern-day Lebanese derived from the Canaanites. And the whole article was to point the finger at the Bible and says, but Deuteronomy chapter 7 says God commanded them to wipe them all out. Huh, the Bible's false. You know, these Bible experts, they should just read a few pages farther than where they were and they'd get the answer. Every Christian that'll read this article instantly will go, well, that's silly. Hasn't he ever read the book of Judges? Where God simply says, they did not drive them out. 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 I mean, yes, that was God's intent, but the truth is, the reality is, that they did not do it. So here as you come to, and we're closing, this is just to try to encourage you young people specifically concerning God and God's Word and the fact that God's Word is true. The Bible tells us here in Judges chapter number 3, and I think it's this text, now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan. So here's what's left of the Canaanites. They did not wipe them out. The Bible goes on and says, namely, the five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Zidonians and the Havites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon. For me as a Christian, I look at this article and say, ha, DNA says what? That there are Canaanites in the area of Lebanon, just like Judges chapter 7 said. Not that the Bible isn't true. Why? Because guess what? God said he's going to wipe, they were to wipe out all the Canaanites. That's their straw man. It's not what the Bible said. The Bible said the opposite. The Bible says, no, the Canaanites lived on. And by the way, at Mount Lebanon, and by the way, God's word is truth. It always has been. It always will be. And no matter what man throws at the Bible, God's word is an anvil. And all the hammers of time and all the atheists and agnostics that have hammered away, uh, their hammers have broken on the anvil of God's word. Oh, that we would learn to trust him. Now, let's wrap it up here. Young person, doesn't matter, couple, senior here today, the simple question for our message this morning is, are we going to let God in our boat? Are we going to let God do that prodding that he wants to do in our life as a disciple? Are are we going to yield to him those areas that he asks us to yield so that he might take us to a place that we never thought we'd ever be and we'd be able to see blessings that we never thought we'd ever, ever be able to enjoy? That's the God that was calling Peter by the seashore and it's the same God that calls and tugs on our heart this morning. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.